0: Thank you for listening to Pastor Cedric Brown of Commitment Church. Our hope is to inspire, refresh, and encourage you to be lights in a dark world. This week, we continue a series called Pure Religion. If you do find this message inspiring or motivational, please follow Pastor Cedric or Commitment Church on Facebook and Instagram. Download our podcasts on Anchor.fm, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Now, here's Pastor Cedric. Aha!
1: haven't seen you all in a while. Uh, I'm Pastor Ken, uh, one of the assistant pastors here. Uh, Pastor Cedric is actually off today because 33 years of wedded bliss. Uh, What a wonderful example of Christ in the church that him and his wife have been to us. Uh, And he deserves his time together. Uh, I hope God blesses him with a nice weather and a great time and some, some, some comfort and ease uh, that he certainly needs for all the work he puts in for us. We're so thankful for him. So uh, I'll be standing in for him today. I want to welcome you here, Commitment Church and all of you that are watching this online at Commitment Online. Um, I just wanted to add to the text to give 77977. You have to put in the word Commitment Church. All one word, Commitment Church, because we're not the only ones that use that number. And you never know where that money will go if you don't put it in there. They just thought I'd mention that. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Look, uh, before I get started here, i got to say one thing. we got to pray. Uh, because we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us here today. And I need his help. So, let's pray. Father, it's with great joy that we enter into your presence here this morning. We thank you for the gift of your word. For in it, we find the only truth we need to live a life for you. So as we open your word now, Father, I pray that you'll guide us, that you'll lead us, that we will hear from you and not me. So move me out of the way. So Father, you can speak to me and your people here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. amen. All right, we are talking about pure religion, which comes from James chapter 1. So I'm going to tell you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. And the verse that we're talking about is verse 27, So I'm going to, sorry guys I'm cheating on you here, uh, is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And that is basically our premise here that we're talking about pure religion. So All right. So we're going to talk about pure religion and the concept of pure religion. Now we're talking about this from the book of James. The book of James was written by James, who was the brother of Jesus, or some say he might have been his cousin, but either way, it was written by one of the guys that was the early leaders of, our ch- of the church. Uh, it was written to the dispersed Jews of that time frame. So the word is written to Jews, uh, but obviously it's good for us today. The problem was they were scattered, thus causing difficulties, and their difficulties caused them to scatter, leaving them to their spiritual drift, which was basically conforming to the world. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, we're going to talk about humility in a little while, so I'm not going to go there. Go to the next one. Uh, The world can be absolutely evil and corrupt, and if you're not careful, it will consume you and it will stain you. So our goal in this lesson series is purity. We need to remain pure in an impure world. Okay, so we've divided this into four Sundays. The past two Sundays, Pastor's been preaching uh, about the purpose of this concept this series, which is to encourage the body of Christ to remain pure while living in an impure world. Uh, The first part, we talked about uh, where does pure religion begin. Pure religion begins with worshiping God, begins within the heart, begins by understanding its worth, and begins without blemish. Last week, he talked about how does pure religion look. Pure religion is living life for others and living an unstained life. So, today we're going to look at how do we keep what we do and who we are pure. And this will come from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. And I'll read through this so we can get started. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So to the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. All right, a reminder of some definitions that we started with. I think we've got three of them here. The first one is religion, which is religious disciplines or true worship of God. The second one is pure, void of evil, purified by fire, like a vine cleansed by pruning in order to bear fruit, free from corrupt desire and from sin and guilt, blameless and innocent. And undefiled is unstained, unsoiled, not tainted with evil, Clean, pure, faultless. So, getting all this stuff together in our brains, we're going to look at, consider it all joy when you encounter trials. Probably one of the most difficult, I believe, in my life, things to do, to follow in the Word of God, is to be joyful when I'm suffering. Trials, putting to the test, adversity, Listen, never for the purpose of causing one to fall. That's the devil's job. The devil will try to get you to tempt you to fall. God cannot tempt you to fall. He will not tempt you to sin. Now, I don't want to to have you misunderstand this because when you're in a trial and when you're suffering and when you're in adversity, it is possible that there will be a temptation to sin. But that temptation doesn't come from God. Amen. That temptation comes from the one and only one who wants to draw you away from God, and that's the devil, okay? The other thing I want you to understand is in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says there's no temptation that is taken that is common to man, but God will provide a way of escape. Amen. That's temptation, not trial. Please understand that you will go through suffering, adversity, and trial in your life that will be more than you can stand. Why? Because God wants you to come to Him to know that He's the one that's gonna take care of you. If you're in a trial that you could bear, what do you need God for? Okay? So understand, if you're suffering, If you're going through adversity at difficult times, that's to draw you closer to God, to test your faith, are you going to go to Him or not? To strengthen your faith, to trust Him as you're going through this difficult time. It is going to be hard. But in that, we have joy. Now, understand, joy isn't happiness. Okay? Joy is not happiness. But joy is now in the end of the book. See, if we read the whole thing, we know how it ends. And how's it end? Yeah, no kidding. In glory. Okay. So, James talks about how this life is just a vapor that passes away. And I've always kind of explained that as you walk outside when it's real cold, and you exhale, and that little vapor comes out of your mouth, how long does that last? Like that, it's gone. So think of our lives 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years compared to a thousand that we're gonna be living here on this earth before there's a new heaven and a new earth. <laughs> and then it goes on even longer. So really, if you're in a trial, you're in adversity, adversary, you're suffering, how long can it really last in this short little life that we have? But yet it's a test of how much we love him and can we show that joy? What makes that joy important? People around you are going to see you going through adversity. How you react to that adversary is what shows Christ. It's very easy for me to walk down, walk around with my head down, grousing and complaining about, oh, shucks, i got to wear a mask. I really don't like wearing masks. (laughs) <laughs> I guess you don't do that by right now. And it's very easy to complain about that. But are people going to see Jesus in me if I'm whining and complaining about having to wear a mask? You know, it's, I, I said this before. One of the things I'm really learning about all this in the, the year now that we've been wearing masks is how to read people's eyes. <laughs> you know, it's almost forced us uh, you know, to, to look at people's eyes now. Because you can't look at their face anymore because you can't get nothing out of that. You know, I mean, some people have like big smiles on their masks and stuff like that, you know. Sometimes I'm trying to read their mask to see what it says. But you gotta look in their eyes. And you can tell if somebody's smiling by looking in their eyes. Trust me. <laughs> so if you're sticking your tongue out of somebody with a mask on, they know. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention that. So in our trial, in our affliction. In the stuff that we're going through, there's a joy that, that that a believer has because we know God's got this. Okay, so it also says the testing of that the outcome of the trial is that the testing of our faith produces endurance. Whereas the King James says, patience. Um I've always learned not to pray for patience. <laughs> Like guarantee, he's going to give you something. <laughs> um, oh well, I uh, just thought I'd mention it. Uh, the definition of endurance is patience, perseverance, constancy under suffering in faith and duty. In other words, as you're going through this difficult time in life that God has allowed to come upon you, what needs to remain constant is your faith your duty to God. We're called upon to be ambassadors for Christ, the Great Commission. Just because there's a trial, a deflection in your life, doesn't mean you stop doing that. See, that's what this, this, this COVID era has done. And what the devil wants to use it for is to stop the evangelism. Amen. Is to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ getting out to people for people hearing the gospel. But God's better than that. He's smarter than that. He's stronger than that. He's bigger than that. And through the, the wonder of what he's allowed us to have, we can spread the gospel even more. Amen. Look, our men's group to me is one of the most beautiful examples of this. Our men's group, when we used to meet in person, we would get five, six, seven, maybe eight guys together. Because the idea of getting out of bed and taking a shower so I don't smell, brushing my teeth, and getting myself over here so that I could be here with the men by 7.30 on Saturday morning, is, uh, I don't wanna get up that early. But now, shucks, I can sit there at my dining room table in my jammies with my coffee and donut and I could be in the men's group. So we went from 8 to 25. Amen. All right? So, so what the devil means for something bad, God's going to use for something good. But it depends on us. We need to still show that joy that, and have that endurance, that patience to practice what he's told us to. God is great. I'm telling you, he's amazing. All right, I got to move on here. I'm going to be here all day. Uh, so we're going to be perfect and complete. The word perfect does not mean sinless. We will never attain sinless perfection in this life. I don't care who's preaching. But it means finished. That which has reached its end term limit, wanting for nothing. And complete is whole, complete in a moral sense. So God is going to do all of that for us through the trial that we're going through. He's going to produce patience He's going to make us perfect. He's going to complete the work that he started in us through the trial and the affliction that we're going to go through. Okay? Now, I know everyone here today, right now, and everybody can hear me, is going through a trial. Okay, because that's life, right? The key to that, guys, is we need to accept that trial and say, okay, God, why is this happening to me? What is it you're trying to produce in me Help me to learn what it is you want me to learn so I can move forward and grow to be more like you. Instead of, and trust me, I've done this, I'll be, I'll be the first one to admit it, sitting there going, God, why are you doing this to me again? Why do I have to go through this trial? I was obeying you, I was reading your word, I was praying, I was going to church, I was doing all the stuff I am supposed to do, and here I am in this mess. And we do. And we shake our fist in the face of God. Lucky we still have one. And that's not what we're called to do, guys. Okay? We've got to change our attitude towards trials in order for God to be able to use those trials to build us to be more like him. When he does, we're more effective for him. Because people watch us in our trials and go, I didn't know where did you get that smile from. When you're going through because we know you're suffering, and yet there you smile. Romans five, Romans chapter five, verses three to five, says and not only this, <clears throat> we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proving character and proving character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So how do we handle trials? Back to James, please, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. There are five ways that we handle trials. Chapter 5, verse 13 says, Is any among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. So the first way you're gonna handle trials is through prayer and praise. Um, Singing during trials is really a really neat way of getting through a trial. Um, We have been blessed in, in Christianity today to have some wonderful songwriters who can write songs about just about every subject that we need to worry about as Christians. When you're listening to Christian music, I know I I, so many times I'm getting kind of downtrodden a little bit, and I listen to God's music, man, it just brings me right back up. There's nothing like music to lift a person's spirit. Uh, and I would encourage you, I don't know what you're listening to, but listen to God's music. Because in that trial, you'll be able to praise because you're praising the Holy One of Israel, and not yourself. Second thing, uh, verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The second point is to call for the elders or church leadership. There are people who will pray for you. We have so many different prayer things going on right now in our church. Every Sunday morning, there's a group that pray for the services at 7.30. And uh, again, through the magic of Zoom, they're on a Zoom call, and there's a bunch of them praying for our services. On Tuesday nights, we have intercessory prayer, where people come into the church here and and do intercessory prayer for people and events and for the church itself. We're doing a 21-day prayer challenge. It'll start next month, I think, uh, where we're going to pray for 21 straight days. So all these different things. Prayer is so important. And you need to call on, the, on people to pray for you. The more prayers, the stronger it is. Uh, we care, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we love you guys. But if we don't know what's going on in your lives, how can we effectively pray for you? Okay, so you need to communicate. So it, it's most of us that when we get into a difficult time or a trial or an affliction have a tendency to draw within ourselves. And kinda, I, nobody really needs to hear about that. I can take care of this myself and i'll pray and i'll do all that stuff but nobody else needs to know and and that's that's not why we're here we're here to pray for you and you know it's funny because if you find out something that somebody else is going through and you get an opportunity to pray for them and you start praying for other people what happens you ain't looking at yourself anymore okay so so call on the leadership make use of the eye care ministry uh, they just set up a new email address, icare at 1ccchurch.org. care at 1ccchurch.org. You've got a prayer request, you send it to them, and they'll make sure it gets out. Anything you need. You need a visit? You need somebody to come out and pray with you in your home with a mask on? We'd be happy to do that. You just gotta ask. Uh, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. You need to deal with your sin. Mm -hmm. Not always, but often a trial comes because there's sin in your life that God wants you to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to reveal it to you. He's trying to open up your eyes to what you're doing so that you change. Now, I'm not going to tell you that every time you get sick, it's because you sinned. Mm -hmm. Because that is absolutely untrue. But there are times that it is. So you need to deal with your sin. You need to ask God to reveal to you what's going on in your life so that you can dump it and get rid of it, repent of it, and move on. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. You need to establish Christian friends. You need to have fellowship with others, even if it's only on the phone. However you do that, please don't text me. I hate text. <laughs> sorry, it's just... I have a three-text rule in my family. If, you gotta, if what you need to say to me takes more than three texts, you better pick up the phone and call. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> and all the senior citizens said, amen! amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, But but really, we need to lean on each other, okay? There are certain things that we will tell a friend that we won't tell anybody else, and we need to do that. We need to be able to confess some of those really tough things that we're dealing with in order to get through them so people can pray for us. So you need to lean on other Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, And lastly, you need to do it with joy. Okay, so when we went through joy... I said that joy is distinct from mere happiness. I want to say this. The definition of joy is a positive attitude or pleasant emotion. The attitude the people of God should have that is holy and pure. Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit of God. Right? It's one of the fruits. And, of course, fruits is not plural. It's actually a singular fruit. In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. Okay? So it's there. Uh, The kind of joy looks beyond the present to our future salvation and to our sovereign God who works out all things for our ultimate good, which is Christ likeness. All right, let's move on. I could be here all day just talking about joy. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. We must learn to employ God's wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, it's mentioned 54 times in the book of Proverbs. I didn't even get into what it is in the rest of the Bible because I couldn't count all that. The but definition for wisdom is knowledge, insight, deep understanding, the ability to regulate one's standing with God, including the idea, listen carefully, of practical application. The difference between wisdom and knowledge is this. In wisdom, you're using the knowledge. Wisdom is putting feet to the knowledge that God's given you through His Word. So when you're asking for wisdom, you're asking for the ability to use all the stuff that God's put in your head. See, I believe that our brains, our let me rephrase that, our ability to use what brains we use is finite. So you start getting information, and you can fill it up, but that memory bank starts to get full. And if you don't put it out, Amen. you can't get any more in. Well, hey, hey, so what happens is, as believers, we get stuck. Amen. And it happens to all of us. Okay? In our Christian walk, and it happens in stages as we grow. But eventually we get stuck, and we can't understand, why am I not learning anything? Why am I not growing? Well, it's because you're keeping it all inside. And you're not using the wisdom of God to get it out so that you can make room for more. And as you grow, and as you give it out, you grow more. And eventually become a preacher and I don't have a job anymore. It worked good. Come on, guys. But it does. It really works. But that's wisdom. And all we got to do is ask. This is the coolest thing. All we got to do is ask, and he'll give it to us. But, oh, there's a key to that. Ah, We've got to ask in faith. If you're going to ask for wisdom, you better believe you're going to get it. And you better believe you're going to use it. When God gives you wisdom, he also gives you opportunity to make use of that wisdom he's going to give you. So be ready. Because when you ask for the wisdom to be able to witness to someone and the courage to go along with it, he's going to provide the opportunity. And that wisdom that God gives you enables you to see that opportunity and then do it. I can't count the number of times when I have in my life realized about three minutes after an opportunity took place that the opportunity took place and I missed it. And I sit there and I go, God, I did it again. And I really get mad at myself because I should recognize this by now. God just, and sometimes I run back (laughs) and say, wait, we were just talking about this and I really wanted to share this with you. We need to be ready for that. And that's where God's wisdom comes in, is asking him always to keep our eyes open to the opportunities he provides for us to share the wisdom of God because somebody needs to hear it. I don't think any one of us will doubt right now that our country is in deep trouble. And there's only one thing that'll change it. And it ain't the government. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone we come in contact with, nothing's going to change, and we're going to stay in this slop and mire that we're in. It's the church's responsibility to do the job that can't be done by anyone else. We need to share the gospel. One heart at a time, folks. One heart at a time. And you know what? There's 30 of us here. Next week, there should be 60. (laughs) See what I mean? And then the following week, there'll be 120. And I don't do math that well. I'm a history major. <laughs> but you get my drift, right? All we got to do is share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's probably, you know, a couple hundred people listening online. I think at the end of the day, it's probably a 1,000. I don't know. Imagine that. And next week, it would be a couple thousand. Before you know it, it's 10,000. Before you know it, the whole world has changed because we've shared the gospel. Mm. And all we got to do is ask. Isn't that cool? All we got to do is ask. All right, what's wisdom look like? James chapter 13, please. Or th- 3. <laughs> I mean, 13 chapters in James. James chapter 3, please, verse 13. There's four things that wisdom looks like. Verse 13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Wisdom looks good and it's gentle. Um, I've never been a fan of smacking somebody in the head with my Bible. If you walk up to somebody and say, do you know you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell? I doubt if they're going to be listening much longer. Okay, Those people don't respond to that. Now, I might be able to get away with that from standing here on the pulpit, but if you're doing a one-on-one evangelism, it's probably not the best way to start. Good and gentle. So first of all, it starts by your behavior. Being good, so that people are attracted to you. Because if you're not being good, they're not going to listen to you anyhow. And gentle. People always respond to gentleness. Gentle word turns away wrath. Proverbs, okay? Uh, Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Wisdom is not self-centered or self-serving. And we are, by nature, self-centered and self-serving, and that's a tough one to get around, because that self-centeredness does look like arrogance. And if you look arrogant in your faith, if you if you come across as you need what I got, because I got it right and you don't, it's not necessarily going to be received in the spirit that God wants it to. Uh, Verse 15 and 16. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above. It's the one we're talking about, the one that's jealous and ambitious. But it's earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Wisdom is not divisive. One of the biggest struggles that you have in churches today is divisiveness. I like this worship leader. Well, I like that worship leader. Or I like this preacher, or I like that preacher. Or I like the chairs closer together, or I like them further apart. Um, we can't be that way. We are one in Christ. Irregardless of how we look, how we dress, or where we live. Or how much money we make or don't make. We are one in Christ, the same, equal. All the same. We can't be divided. Because you know a house divided is going to fall, right? And we don't want to fall, we want to stand. We stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. Not divided, because we look at the same word, the same God. Verses 17 and 18 in James chapter 3. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wisdom is peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy. And good fruits unwavering without hypocrisy. Peace. It's very easy to get wrapped into the arguments of the world today. Do I wear a mask or don't wear a mask? Do you wear your mask or don't you? You it over your nose. Are you a racist or aren't you? Are you a Democrat or Republican? Do you like Trump or Biden? And, and there's all these things that are dividing us that are causing us to argue back and forth and it's very easy to get drug into these arguments. Whose end comes to nothing. Because when you're all done, guess what? They're still going to feel the way they do, and you're still going to feel the way you do, and Nobody's convinced anybody of anything. All you did was argue and wasted a whole lot of precious oxygen.
0: <laughs>
1: Just say, Peace, folks, peace. We've got it. And, and you know, I, I know that we're, we're, we're giggling here, but we know it's true. And we know we all struggle with this, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in this mess. Man, turn off the news. It's a waste of time. Goodness gracious, all it does is upset you. And you know what's even worse? I, I, I probably shouldn't go. I'm going to do it now. My wife and I like to watch TV, and we're TV watchers. I'll be the first to admit it. And a couple of the new shows have come out with new episodes. And as we're watching them, I'm like, it's watching the news. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is terrible. I, I turned off the news I didn't want to see this. Now it's on the TV shows. That's not entertainment. That's disgusting. I don't watch that anymore either. Now I'm back to watching like uh, Leave it to Beaver or something. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, just, just, it's, just not, it's just no good anymore. Uh, sometimes I wonder, I, uh, thank God for YouTube, uh, where I can go to other churches and watch other church things and Bible studies and all the rest of that stuff. And I don't need to watch that trash no more. Uh, because i got to get it out of my head, because it does. It, it it's pushes in the wrong direction, and that's not where wisdom lies. And wisdom lies only in the Word of God and the truth of His Word. All right, last point I want to make. James chapter 1, back to James chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. We must learn to exercise humility. Mm, but the brother of humble circumstance, in verse 9, James chapter 1, the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass he will pass away for the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Definition of humiliation is depression and rank or feeling be made of low estate. <sighs> I'd like to suggest that the reason this is is because when we stand before Jesus Christ at the, at the judgment seat of Christ we don't come in there with all our stuff we own you know the, he who dies with the most toys still dies <laughs> okay, the amount of what you own the amount of money that you have how big your house is none of that goes with you when you stand before Jesus Christ the only thing that counts is what you did for him The rest of it gets burned up in fire. What they call wood, hay, and stubble, right? Mm -hmm. That stuff doesn't mean anything, man. So many times we spend that extra couple hours in overtime so we can make more money to do what? (laughs) Yeah, get a better car, get a bigger house, get somebody to clean that bigger house because it's too big for you to clean. You know, I mean, just what are we doing? Um, I've always kind of tried to, to, to exercise the concept that we're supposed to tithe 10% of our, of our money. So why don't we change that over to our time as well? And think of how much time you're awake. Do you give 10% of that time to the study of the Word of God in prayer? Think about how long that would be. I mean, most of us probably don't sleep much more than six hours anymore. So, right. So you've got yourself 18 hours. Gosh, I did that. It's pretty good. 18 hours. Did you spend at 1.8 hours studying the Word of God and praying every day? But we get ourselves so busy. This is really a tool of the devil, as far as I'm concerned, because in my life, because I'm old, I get to see how things change. And what I've seen is we become busier and, busier and busier and busier and busier and busier. And we get ourselves so wrapped up we don't have time to do what we're supposed to do. And, and, and it's weird because the stuff that we're busy doing seems to be important. But what really matters more than being in the Word of God and being in His presence in prayer? What can really be more important than that? And yet we've pushed that down to a, well, I can give him five minutes in the morning. The rich man is to glory in his humiliation because he will pass away. Or riches cannot extend life. And you can't take it with you. When you stand before God. some examples of humiliation. Luke chapter one, verse 48. Luke chapter one, verse 48. Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, "For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed." Mary was humble, and through her humbleness, her humility, she was blessed. Isaiah 53, Uh, if you're familiar with Isaiah 53, if not, I'm going to throw a couple of verses at you, it'll come to you real quick, because it's talking about Jesus, and it says He was despised, chapter 53, verse 3, says He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. This is Jesus Christ. Verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's humility. See, most of us don't like to to witness a lot of times because we're afraid somebody's going to say something like, boy, you must be nuts. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I've had numerous doors shut in my face when we've gone out and canvassed for, like, vacation Bible school or something. Um, and, and being a people pleaser like I am, it's hard for me to deal with. Um, so I have a tendency to kind of hide and say, okay, well, that's, that's somebody else's gift. I'm not gifted with evangelism, so I don't have to do it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not what the Bible says. It says we're supposed to evangelize, <laughs> period. It doesn't say they evangelize and you preach. No, it doesn't work that way. So we have to get out there and say what we gotta say and not be afraid Amen. of what people are gonna say. Because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. Amen. And I wouldn't wanna be in their shoes. But you know what? If you see somebody running across the street, the bus is coming, you're going to yell, look out. Well, we should be yelling, look out. (laughs) Because Jesus is coming back. And that trumpet's going to sound. And then this earth is going to go through some really tough times. And we need to be yelling, look out. Because Jesus is coming. And he's coming soon. James, chapter 2, please. James, chapter 2. Three things about humility. Verses 1 through 13, we're not supposed to show partiality. I'm not going to read the whole thing in James, chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, but it's basically the concept where a rich guy and a poor guy walk into church. We tell the rich guy to come up here and sit up front and look pretty, they tell the poor guy to go stay in the back Because he's going to give us more money than him, so we're going to take good care of him. And we don't really care about him. That's what that section of scripture is telling us. Now, that's extreme. But many times we treat people that way. Okay? One of the things I love about this church is one of the things we do, and do well, is we take care of the poor and needy. Uh, We have a food pantry, we have Shine Your Light, which is a ministry that goes out and gives out backpacks for kids and clothing for for homeless people. Uh, We have a group that goes to Camden once a month uh, to the McGuire Village, uh, which has been on hold because of COVID, but hopefully opens up soon, where we're hoping to actually start Bible studies with people in the neighborhood and establish relationships with the people in Camden and McGuire. Uh, where my wife grew up, actually. Tough neighborhood. Uh, so there's a lot of the things we do well in this church, thankfully, to take care of the poor and needy. Because you know the concept, if, <laughs> if, you're, if somebody's hungry and comes and knocks on the door and says, please give me food, and you say, God bless you, be warm, be healthy, and close the door, you haven't done anything for them. That's what James says. Instead, you say, "Here, here's some food, and then while they're eating, you go, by the way, you know, Jesus loves you. And they'll see Jesus in you. That's what we're called to do. That's not showing partiality. Uh, verses 14 through 26, where you put your faith into action, uh, I'm going to read this real quick. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26 says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister was out clothing or in need of daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warm and be filled, and yet you do not even give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, take a look at verse 19, because this one should kind of open your eyes a little bit. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe in shudder. James was a book that almost, but was actually the last book to be accepted into the canon of Scripture because of this. Because the thought that was teaching salvation by works. But it's not. It's teaching that salvation is an ongoing process called sanctification. That once your eyes have been opened and you've seen the truth of the word of God and you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior and the Holy Spirit of God came and dwelt inside of you, you're now motivated to go do something about it. Because the Holy Spirit of God, believe me, is alive and active and knocking on your door. And if you're feeling a little antsy, it's because that's what he's doing. He's trying to get your attention, trials okay well you talked about in the beginning see to just believe isn't enough don't you know that Satan knows who Jesus Christ is you think Satan knows that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the people and rose again sure he does that's why he tried to stop him with the temptation of Christ he was trying to stop it because he knew what was gonna happen we ain't gonna see Satan in heaven Because he ain't doing nothing for Jesus. The works that we do, the good deeds that we do, we do in the name of Jesus because we love him. You can do good works without Christ. Mm -hmm. But those good works you do without Christ are for you. I can help a little old lady across the street, probably be me, but... It can help somebody across the street, but I'm doing that because it makes me feel good when it's all over. But When you sacrifice for other people in the name of Jesus, you're doing more than just helping them. You're sharing the gospel. And that's what counts. That's what works. That's part of our faith. It's part of our sanctification. It's part of who we are as Christians, as believers. Not worrying about us, but worrying about others. Jesus left heaven. And the glory of heaven because he loved us so much, to give us a picture of what it meant to sacrifice for others. To how we do it. And that's what we need to do. James chapter 4, please. Verses 5 through 8. Humility submits to God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks of no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which he has made to dwell in us but he gives us a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. If we are to exercise humility and ask for wisdom, that's all the stuff we do to get through trials. And it all comes from submitting. God has given us all we need to do for instructions for living life for Him in His book. We just need to submit to it. And that's probably a hard thing for us coming from a free country where we like to have the concept and idea of I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Well, you are free if you submit to God. Because in him there's real, true freedom. Freedom from sin and from temptation so that we can live a life for him. Let's pray. Father, in our lives we go through many difficult times. We go through trials and tribulation because you're trying to, to help us to become more like Jesus. You're trying to help us to learn, to test our faith, to try our faith as if by fire so that we can become more like you. So that we can be more useful to you in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, so all we come in contact with. So Father, I just pray that you'll give us courage. You'll help us to be humble you'll give us wisdom that goes beyond all human understanding but only comes through the power of your holy spirit father work in us so that we can share the gospel
0: with others in jesus name we pray amen thank you again for listening to pastor cedric of commitment church if you would like to learn more about jesus christ please visit our website www.commitmentchurch.org/start This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you have made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry by visiting www.commitmentchurch.org. You can also visit loveallnations.org for more information and to receive encouraging videos. Lastly, if you or your family reside in the South Jersey area, please visit us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey 08021.